and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 278. I am your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Discovery's third season episodes, Unification 3 and The Sanctuary. Here we go. Unification 3, Season 3, Episode 7. Original release date, November 26th, 2020. Directed by John Dudkowski. Written by Kirsten Beyer. Guest cast include Oded Fair as Charles Vance. Sonia Soon as Gabriel Burnham. Emily Coots as Kayla Detmer. Patrick Kwok-Chun as Jen Reese. Oyen Oladejo as Joanne Owasakun. Ronnie Rowe Jr. as R.A. Bryce. Sarah Midich as Nielsen. Julianne Grossman as Discovery Computer. Oliver Becker as Naraj, Stephanie Belding as Shira, Emmanuel Kabonga as Bakir, and Tara Rosling as Tarina. After studying several black boxes, Burnham believes she can find the source of the burn with data from Project SB-19, a possible space travel alternative to dilithium developed by the unified and non-Federation world of Vulcan and Romulan people on Navarre, formerly the planet of Vulcan. While grappling with the fallout of her recent actions and what her future might hold, Burnham agrees to represent the Federation in an intense debate about the release of the politically sensitive but highly valuable SB-19 burn data. Vulcan was one of the founding members of the Federation. They would never abandon it. Must have been the Romulans. No, the Romulans wanted to stay. Even before the burn, the Federation was running out of dilithium. All member planets were ordered to put their best scientists towards finding a solution. Navarre's contribution was SB-19, a system to transport starships thousands of light years in an instant, much like your spore drive. What happened? It was new technology. Navarre's scientists felt, ultimately, that it was too dangerous. And so they asked permission to shutter the program. But it was the most promising dilithium alternative of the day, and so the Federation ordered them to proceed. They think they caused the burn? No. They think we forced them to cause the burn. Unification 3. Took them long enough to make the third one. Jeez. <laughs> Steve, why don't you kick us off? All right, yeah, so this is this is kind of interesting because... I remember going into this episode, I had read, you know, the title and then the speculation and all this kind of stuff on what they could be covering. And so from a, you know, big Trek fan perspective, it was like, oh, wow, what a cool notion. They're going to piggyback off something, you know, and then, you know, sure, you have the uh, Leonard Nimoy appearance and all this kind of stuff. And that's cool to tie stuff together, but it still was kind of like not fantastic and so it was a little bit of a letdown what i found interesting this time watching this was while again i didn't think it was it was some fantastic episode or something i thought there were certain aspects to it that i thought were really interesting um you know the primary story and the way they handled that that trial of sorts trial uh, whatever you want to call it was it was it was the weirdest most unique trial of any sorts or whatever you want to call it that we've seen and I thought I, I think what I liked what I liked about that aspect of it at least maybe not all the other stuff surrounding it in the episode that they tried to make some sense out of is this notion of using this idea of absolute candor and bringing out quote unquote 
truth versus it being kind of a, you know, like in the standard kind of where we're so accustomed to the way we handle these kind of things is that you have an agenda on, on two sides and you, and you try to get to some kind of, you know, you try to win, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a matter of finding truth really, right. It's a matter of getting your story to be the winning story and to try to break all that down and essentially create this complete deconstruction of what it means to have uh, to find truth, to find like advocacy. It actually became political. It made me think, it made me kind of think about, well, this is essentially de- like deconstructing the current political environment as well, right? And coming to, you know, what is truth? Can we even really determine what it is to get to this point? Now, I'm not saying it was is absolutely successful and the most interesting thing we've ever seen or whatever, because there was all sorts of silly crap going around like, like, problematic in this show anyway um but they even in a sense by doing this they also kind of maybe inadvertently deconstructed what's the problem with this whole series you know when they took went into her character and it's like you're always so hard trying to save everything and you know you can't live up to yourself and blah 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 when her mom's telling her stuff it's like yeah that's the whole problem with this like you basically revealed what's wrong with this whole show by having an actual interesting take on it but that 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 was that was kind of my my perspective on this. It's it's like it's not fantastic, but it but it did some really interesting things that I, I that I don't think we've seen before. Well, I'd say that about covers that we should probably just do six degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, right there, and um, yeah, I'm not sure what else we're going to add there. Uh, Adam, what do you have? I don't know if I'm as down on this episode as maybe um Steve was. I didn't think it was a great episode either, but I thought for for Discovery it was. It was it was an above average episode, and I and I say that for discovery. Um, I liked going back to Vulcan. You know, we kind of see the fruits of the Romulan Vulcan unification. Obviously, we are in the Prime Universe, so Romulus doesn't exist anymore, and we kind of all have the backstory of what happened to Spock um, into the you know the Kelvin universe. So it, it's it's interesting to kind of delve into you know what happened you know centuries after Spock. Um, started this um, process in next generation of reunification, reunifying the Vulcans and Romulans. Um, One thing that led me, I I, I don't know, I just started thinking about it, you know, again, this is a thousand years, basically a thousand years into the future. And um, I think Steve mentioned this several episodes ago. It's like, you know, that they couldn't have found a way to replicate the spore drive or you know know what the mycelia network is it's just like it's it's like it's totally foreign to people that are a thousand years more advanced than you know what the crew discovery is and i'm wondering if this it would have not been better off to like send them maybe 400 years into the future you know (laughs) instead of a thousand it still seems like a big jump um but i think the one thing that i kind of took from this episode that kind of put this whole thing to bed about um, Burnham. Does she want to be in Starfleet? Does she not want to be in Starfleet? What is her place? That kind of thing. I mean, they, they still kind of allude early on in this episode about, you know, you know, that she's having trouble with this and this whole year away. And it still kind of bothers me that we're not with her um, emotionally as an audience. Cause we don't know what happened to her during that year so as an audience you're not emotionally i'm at least i'm not this is my opinion i'm not emotionally connected to burnham with what she went through so it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like yeah just it's not there's not a connection so if nothing else this episode kind of puts that to bed 
pretty much like, okay, she's, you know, gung ho Starfleet and um, here we go. And so that's the, the nice thing that I took out of this episode. Um, otherwise, nostalgia, Spock, that kind of thing, you know, they get a little geopolitical, I think, which kind of represents what's going on in our society today. So that might be interesting when we get, when we get into what it's about, but that's what, that's what my take was on it. Well, it's interesting you bring up again what we've discussed before, but, you know, this idea of what, what was going on during her mystery year. And I remember last time specifically talking about, like, that was the first time, last time that I was like, oh, she wasn't with Book the whole time. Right. Where was she? Where was she living? What was she doing for a living? What You know, all these little questions. Well, I started I started reading that book, that Una McCormick book, Wonderland, Wonderlands, something like that. It's only a few hundred pages, and I'm I'm more than halfway through it. It's a very quick read, and now I understand where she was living and kind of what she was doing and how she was not with Book all the time. You know, none of this stuff is brought up in the show. It's not canon, but it it was one of those books that helped me be able to enjoy the show that we have for what it is a little more. So uh, that's actually been kind of uh fun so you're gonna clue us in what was she doing she just didn't oh, well somewhere. so uh, say um, hill <laughs> hill the federation officer that's not really an officer the station that she finds at near that first episode she's living on that station and then book helps her get her own ship and she's she's trying to find the black boxes but she's also doing some real federation east star fleety stuff and helping different societies and stuff like that well, and, that, and that's all interesting, but obviously, yes. if, if you yes, if you if you have to <laughs> if yeah. you have to g- g- write a novel to to make you feel <laughs> something for it, that's the problem, right? Absolutely, hundred percent. I completely agree. And 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 like you know, you're saying, yeah, sure. They they brought her out of it essentially. Well, I'm not leaving the ship, and I'm all cool with this now. That I mean, that's fine, but it still doesn't help anything because it's like, well, we didn't understand what motivated you to not feel that way, and we're not really understanding your your immediate turnabout going the other way. And you know, just to clarify, I'm not really, I don't, I don't hate this episode. I, in fact, it just because because it it raised all these interesting notions to me. I I like that aspect, but it's it's almost like an academic exercise more than it is feeling like it's coherently as an episode bringing something to the table it's still got all the same problems that so many of these others episodes have have had unfortunately you know um i just like kind of the almost almost meta aspect of how it essentially explained its own faults in a way this episode (laughs) did i think for me it was it's more like and, and again maybe some of that the novel helped me do that but if if I kind of ignore, if I I've talked about this again too, but if I don't exactly think of it as Star Trek, just objectively, <laughs> completely out of context, I I enjoy this episode. I like this episode. I think it makes the right amount of pulls of nostalgia, calling it unification, having Nimoy in there and all that stuff. But it doesn't rest on any of that. You know no, that stuff could not be. You could have not called it unification and not had Nimoy, and the episode would have worked the same. For the most part, I think I liked this. I think I enjoyed this episode when I take it out of context, when I forget about my general complaints about either the show or this season in particular, in kind of this post-apocalypse federation thing that I've complained about every episode where we discuss season. If I can just ignore that for a moment and be and try to be objective about the episode, I like this episode. If this show wasn't called Star Trek, I would have stopped watching it way before now. I wouldn't still be watching it even if it was some new show that I wanted to try because I like science fiction. 
I would have quit this show a long time ago. That's just a fact. Yeah, there's stuff in here that I would complain about. It baffles the mind that Starfleet never thought to check the black boxes. I mean, they're black boxes. That's kind of what they're for. Nobody ever thought, why don't, why don't we just check to, to see, to, to couple them against each other? And I mean, there should have been thousands, if not tens of thousands of these things, right? All this time, nobody checked two of them to see that they're not at the exact same second. That's what's kind of hard, you know, and that's also kind of, you know, I'm mentioning, you know, we're not with Burnham emotionally. We're also not, I mean, you know, how chaotic it must have been after the burn when there's no, you know, there, you know, you go from all these warp ships and having it basically like be like us, you know, the lights going out tomorrow and kind of going back to the stone age in a weird way. So that you have to suspend your disbelief, but what the show doesn't do a very good job at, 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 at giving you that. I mean, even with something like that, all you kind of have to do is maybe just a, a quick flashback scene, you know, like, how, or, you know, just how, or, just how devastating it is. They talk about it, but they don't really kind of show you like how crazy it would be. You know, another thing in that book, she's like, uh, she's listening to these personal logs that say, say Hill gives her. And so she goes over leading up to the burn and then immediately after. And that's, that's sort of, of chaos and realization that this is permanent. And all it's very, it's very interesting. And I'm like, why isn't this in the show? I mean, yeah, it's like they, they came up with some crazy idea and then they just skipped right over it. But, you know, there's just lots of little things in this episode like that. There's, uh, I think it's absolutely preposterous that Ensign Tilly would be <laughs> his first thought for getting a promotion to first officer. We all love Tilly, and obviously she's a lead on the show, but that's just absolutely preposterous. Like, who, whoever on the Star Trek writing staff here was like, we're going to call this one Unification Part 3. That person knows their Star Trek. Whoever said Tilly, the ens- Ensign Tilly should be the first officer, that person sounds like they've never watched Star Trek before. <laughs> the re- reason they were able to get away with that, because I have no idea what the command structure is really on Discovery past Saru and Burnham. I don't know who's, you know, the third in command. I don't, yeah, we have no command structure. I mean, we barely hear, you know, you hear all these stories about, you know, the original series that Sulu and Chekhov didn't get any lines. It's really worse in this show with the with the people the background people. They, I I don't even know the character. You know, we're three seasons in, and I don't even know most of their names. You know, the back I call them the background characters. They're basically just glorified extras on the bridge. Um, so well, that's a good that's point. What, to, yeah, like somebody like say uh, Detmer, that doesn't feel like a Sulu to me. I mean, they don't feel. I don't know. That's a good point. Well, and I think they purposefully did that, right? I mean, from the get-go, you have a lead who's not the captain, and then everybody else. It's it's they're all, it's random, right? You know, they're just all over the place, and they're not the usual thing. I mean, I think they were trying to do that in a sense, trying to make it where the lead isn't aren't the bridge crew on purpose. But yeah, it does get kind of awkward after a time because that what that translates to is you spend a lot of time on the bridge, and a lot of big things happen there, and so if you don't have the gelling the gelling characters, you know, all working together and feeling like they're a family sort of, or something, um, you miss something, you know, um, when you have essentially extras playing such crucial roles, at least if you're being used to Star Trek in that way. One thing I want to point out is I like this actress that plays the, the Vulcan president, you know, it makes a difference. We don't talk about it a lot, but like in the next episode, I'm going to say the guest actor that plays his brother, I thought he kind of wasn't very good. Uh, but here's an example where this actress that plays the Vulcan president, I think she's really good. She's got the Vulcan thing down. She's got like some star quality about her and presence. Those scenes between her and Saru, 
do a really nice job of kind of bookending or the, the episode. And they're like this common touch point throughout the episode to really see how the episode evolves and how the characters evolve. And I, I really like those scenes between the two of them. They're really good. They're just kind of touching almost. Well, that, that, that's another, you know, the side stories that we're beginning in this season are a lot better. You know, maybe it's because we don't have you know, Tyler's <laughs> the side story anymore, but I mean, you know, tall and, and Stamets, that's, that's a good thing. Side story that's going on in this season. And then, you know, you got the doc and, um, um, Giorgio kind of got that side thing going, you know, that'll culminate, you know, Giorgio's story will culminate in our next podcast. What happens with her, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that was what happens with her. Um, so yeah, the side, right. The side stories have been a lot better, um, more coherent and put together, um, in this season so far. I like this stuff with her mother. Their chemistry is good and relationship is sound and, uh, interesting. The first time I saw this episode, episode, I thought it was kind of nutty, that she ended up where she did, but I guess some reason that didn't bother me at all this time. And I really love that last scene between the two of them in Burnham's quarters. It's well-written, well-performed. You know, I felt the same way, Brian, about that. I think, I think, you know, we watched season two and it went so fast. Um, I think going into season three, I was kind of surprised to see her mom. Cause I didn't quite understand where she went in season two, maybe, or it just didn't, you know, happen so quick. You forget about it. So this next time around, I'm like, Oh yeah, she went back, you know, it kind of, Everything kind of felt more like I knew what was going on. Well, I feel like you've both kind of t- talked about what it's about, but anything else you want to add to what it's about? Um, well, there's been a little bit of a theme throughout this, you know, um, season so far and, you know, having to do with the Federation and, you know, you know how it expanded and probably got too big and bloated. And that's what caused this burn. And it's, it's paid this price for, you know, overreaching that kind of thing. There's a, like I was saying early on, there's a little bit of a, geopolitical mirror to that you could say to the you know the united states or even any kind of big empire throughout history that gets gets overstretched and you know burns out basically you know the metaphor for the burn so i I think they talk about this a little bit here you know with um vulcan you know navarre breaking off from starfleet because values change and you know and and, and people change and they don't always say the same. So I think they, they try to hit on that a little bit. And I think they were a little bit more coherent in what they were trying to say in this episode than they have been in past episodes. So that was a nice thing. I think they, it's this notion of the, the complexity of, of truth, you know, of, of what is reality, what is motivation and how quickly and how easily you can get bogged down in, in personal uh, you know, personal agendas driving what you believe to be truth, even in the best of circumstances, you know, essentially um, Burnham's mother made her get to that point where it's like, and, and it's something I think really we all rarely get to is this notion of what is it we really want? What is it we, what is it that really drives us? And let's, let's get to that point. And, and then we can talk about why we're doing what we're doing and and moving forward. I mean, I, I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting and hasn't really quite been said that way. So that is certainly a positive of this episode. All right, let's do Six Degrees for Unification. Yeah, really just trivia today. Uh, Steve, in which season of Next Gen did Unifications 1 and 2 air? Uh, fifth? Yes, sir. Steve has one. Moving on. 
The Sanctuary, Season 3, Episode 8. Original release date, December 3rd, 2020. Directed by Jonathan Frakes. Written by Kenneth Lynn and Brandon Schultz. Guest cast include Michelle Yeoh as Philippe Georgiou, Odette Fair as Charles Vance, Noah Averbach-Katz as Rin, Blue Del Barrio as Adira Tal, Ake Hernandez as Kihem, Janet Kidder as Osira, Ian Lake as Tolor, Emily Coots as Kayla Detmer, Patrick Kwok Chun as Jen Reese, Oyen Olodejo as Joanne Oshkun, Ronnie Rowe Jr. as R.A. Bryce, Sarah Minich as Nielsen, Ross Carter as Haas, Raven Dauda as Tracy Pillard, Luca Dulgeris as Lito, Fabio Tassone as Bookship's Computer, David ben- Benjamin Tomlinson as Linus, and Jalil Swabi as San. Burnham and the Discovery crew travel to Book's home planet after Book receives a distress signal from his brother, Kiam, who says their planet is being threatened by the Emerald Chain, a syndicate of Andorians and Orions led by Osira. Meanwhile, Stamets and Adria continue the search for valuable information on the origin of the burn. You get what we're doing out here? Discovery saved my planet from something that had us for a century. What you've done, what the Federation's done for us, for other worlds like ours, I want it. I want what means something. Adam, kick us off on the sanctuary. The sanctuary. Um, I this, this is sanctuary. <laughs> That's how you should have started, Brian. Yeah. Start over. This is sanctuary. I think like three of our listeners got that. All right, good. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like this episode. I think I put it in the same line as the last episode. It may not have had as much um, to say, but it had a had a nice pace to it. We got to see in Book's homeworld, we got to see a little more character development on him, his brother, what's going on with there, kind of what's been going on with societies and planets after the burn. Obviously, there is a mob criminal element, the Orion Syndicate, um, you know, um, or that's that's what we knew them as. Um, Now they're what they're, the Emerald Chain. But it's kind of basically the same thing that's kind of going on here. So this is kind of, this kind of leads us into the, um, into what what we're going to see throughout the rest of the season, kind of the second half plot line. You know, there's going to be this um, conflict between the Federation and the Orion Syndicate basically going on here. Then we get a little bit of, um, you know, Giorgio in the middle. So um, this kind of sets that up. So, yeah, that's kind of what my first thoughts were on it, you know, going to this planet. It's kind of basic Star Trek, save the planet, kind of get clever about how you do it. And so, yeah, it was entertaining to me steve so yeah you know and maybe maybe i was in a weird place watching this but i it took me like reading through my notes like five times to remember kind of the crux of this and i think it's because there's so many little things going on um that it's it's distracting i mean i get i get that the stuff on books planet and his uh brother and the uh, emerald chain and what they're doing and all this kind of stuff was kind of the main point kind of but there also is a lot of other things it's almost like noise i mean it, to me it's um you know it's fine it's not awful but it's 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 a it's a good example of why um, it, it's, it's doing, um, continuous serial shows and track poorly. You know, this is the, this is the way you make it not so great is when you juggle 15 balls in the air and they all get five minutes of time or whatever. And then you try to focus on something. And so it ends up being like, 
there's no, how can it be about something when the, when the a story is, is like 25% of the time in the show or something that that's what I felt like. And uh, I don't know there, you know, um, the funniest moment was when we were watching it and Amanda told me that, uh, she thought the, uh, what's her name is like the wicked witch of the West. And I thought that was, that looked right. <laughs> Sierra. Yeah. She definitely looked like she was out of wicked. Yeah. 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 Your little dog too, or whatever. Um, <laughs> Um, so your little cat, you mean? Oh yeah, naturally. They, they, oh man, that that they should have done that. I, I'd have been just like, oh, hairless figures, cat. at least something. But uh, yeah, we get we do kind of on a positive note. We see kind of the beginning, uh, sort of the beginning of the almost parental relationship between Stamets and Colbert and Tall and whatnot, and you know, I, I kind of like that and everything. But that's really all I've got to say. I mean, it's kind of just, I, I know this kind of is a leaping off point for much of the rest of the plot of the season, but it feels like there's too many things going on. We didn't talk much about, um, it was the previous episode, right, with uh, Book and Burnham really solidifying their relationship. Oh, right, right. But, it, it, you know, it's obviously a significant portion of this episode, too. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm with you. It's 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 just overly complicated. You know, you're feeling, okay, the brother says that he asked for Book to bring the Andorian Wren back to this planet so that they can give Wren to Osira so that Osira will again provide the stuff they need to stop the Blue Locusts so that they can, they meaning Book's people, can again do a harvest to make sure that everybody has food to eat. I mean that's it that's just absurd. That is so ludicrously complicated. <laughs> and I know people that are listening they're like that doesn't sound that complicated. That's just that just to basic follow the episode you have to like follow all of that. And you, you know, we've only seen half these characters one time for like 2 minutes. That's just too complicated. It's a little too complicated. I don't understand why this stuff doesn't get shut down in a writer's room. It's not like I've witnessed this kind of process, but I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, maybe I'm being presumptuous or maybe I'm being old school with this or something too, but it's just, why does he think that's a leaping off point for the episode? Do they, do they literally start with like creating a whole bunch of special effects shots and then say, let's make something work out of this story wise. Cause that's sometimes what it feels like, you know, in the, in this series that that's what's aggravating. They have, they have done that. I know that asteroid thing at the beginning of season two that's what that was yeah, <laughs> yeah that fun but you know all that said it's it's moronically overly complicated it's way too complicated this episode could never be a great episode but i actually think this episode is okay i don't think it's terrible yeah when i got watching this episode i could but i think osiris later on she wants to capture discovery because she wants the spore drive basically later on in this in this series so that's what i kind of got confused about in this episode i kind of i think i kind of just got a as opposed to you steve you were i kind of got a little lazy when i'm watching it i kind of just gloss over all sometimes when they get really complicated i'm like yeah i watched this before i thought osiris is she wants to steal discovery so that's why she lured everybody there but that didn't happen to be the case i think that's later on in the in the season when she's trying to steal discovery but um i definitely get you guys' point that it's they make it they made it way over yeah they made it too complicated there and it didn't give enough time to didn't give enough breathing room to kind of give the brothers more time to kind of develop that relationship i mean you kind of get it you know they you know book left he came back um you know he felt like deserted the family it's you know it's 
pretty simple there, but they, maybe they could have spent more time on that with, for book and his character instead of making things overly complicated with the stuff and special effects. I'm glad we don't see the brother again, like I alluded to in our previous episode discussion. I think the actor's maybe a little weak. This season, anyway. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's not terrible, but I just... I would, and I mentioned it when we were talking about the last episode. I do feel like I want to give them a little bit of credit that there's been more cohesion with the with with the Stamet story and you know um and tall um you know um with um Giorgio they're you know they're telling these you know sometimes we get mad at um Star Trek and Discovery's not the only season we've got got mad about that whereas they don't spend time setting something up they just kind of throw us into the mix and in, so far they're I think they're doing a good enough job setting us up for what we're going to see with Giorgio coming up um, in the next podcast. And we can talk about that if we watch it all again. But I mean, you know, they're setting the story up with Tall and um, Stamets for the end with the burn, um, that kind of thing. So I think they're doing a better job organizing the, the secondary stories in this season so far. I don't really understand. I don't really understand what Detmer does when she's I'm going full manual. I didn't really follow what the difference was or anything. It just looks cool. I guess. Okay. You know what this episode kind of reminded me of? Just It just felt like a, like a, a Stargate SG-1 episode somehow. You know, with them, maybe it's just because of where they go, the, the way the planet looks or something. I don't know. It just felt like an, it felt a little bit like an SG-1 episode somehow. Was that just because of the forest? They're out in the forest? The, yeah, maybe the that's time? part of it. I don't know. Kind of like X-Files. They were always out in the, f- the same forest. We always say this, but... You know, um, Wilson Cruz is Colbert and, you know, Michelle Yeoh is Giorgio. It's like they really could just have them talk for 13 episodes in a row or whatever. And that would probably be a better <laughs> series. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I can't. I wish I could quantify that in some respect. What makes great acting consistent, great acting. But it's just that that's a high point in this for me every time. I just want to see more of them all the time. Yeah, yeah like yeah, Michelle's great. And which is first, like we like the characters because they're good. Yeah, it's hard. to Yeah. The writing makes us like the characters, and then we notice that they're good. Or uh, I don't know, but yeah, he, he's great. And there scenes that this episode literally opens on the two of them, uh, and it's great every time. Well, it's kind of amazing that the character Giorgio works after what it, what that character's gone through in the last three seasons. So I guess that's a that's a credit. Maybe that's a credit to, credit to writing and a credit to Michelle because she's such a great performer and we all love you know watching her. So maybe they could have just had her been the, you know the, the janitor on the ship and we still would have been like, can we get more Michelle, please? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I think that's an example of if if, if someone else, if a lesser actor would have played that character from the get-go and they tried, would have tried the same things. There's no way you could have main, you know, maintained this and had that character persist and be along with the show. It would have just felt ludicrous. Like what's this person still doing there? Why haven't they killed them off? I don't, I don't know something you, you wouldn't want to have seen it because but you know, she is a, a murderous emperor, you know, that's the world she came from. You know, she's probably committed genocide and all sorts of monstrous atrocities. Um, but yet, you know, we all, we all love her and we want to see her. We want to see more of her. It's a craziness. We discover a point of origin for the burn. Uh, it has something to do with some common music. There's a thread that always reminds me of the fourth season of the Ron Moore, David Icke Battlestar. <laughs> the way they had that. It was a good tech scene where they're you know trying to figure out the wavelengths and then they kind of whittle it down just to a to, to, to And Saru suggests the solution to the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get Tall. I'm getting everybody confused. Tall is the current incarnation. Adira was the 
was a previous host? No, Adir is Adir is the current Adir is the name of the current Tall's the symbiont. Tall's the symbiont. So it's Adira Tall. Yeah. Tall's okay. Yes. Got it. Got it. Gray so Tall is the prior. Yeah. Which one? Gray Tall. Gray. Is okay. The, yeah. Right. And Gray is not talk is no longer talking to right. Adira for some right. reason. Uh, but we get now we have the pronouns. Yeah, and it's a it's a good relationship there with Stamets, like you talked about. I guess there's not th- this episode is so overly complicated, like plot wise, that there's not a lot to talk about once you get the plot out of the way. So it's it's not as good as the previous episode. But uh, one question is th- this is this is not the same planet that at the be- then the first episode book returns the transworm to. That was a different planet. I would assume so. That was, I think that was just him returning it to some. Because that planet was called something about sanctuary or sanctuary planet or something. Mm. So yeah, that, that's what recall. confused me is because the title right. of this episode is Sanctuary, the Sanctuary. Yeah, they certainly make it feel like this is the first time we've seen his home world, but I, yeah. I can't, I can't know it for sure. And, yeah. and apparently, the worms are indigenous to his planet, so that's kind of what made it kind of confusing too. What is this episode about? Well, I was about to get into you know, um, Adira Tall, you know, kind of the B story here. It's the. the it's an interesting character because it's an interesting way to kind of look at and, and study the, the human condition. Cause all of us have all these different people inside of us and all these different personalities kind of inside us that kind of emerge one way or another. And obviously people, some people have a harder time controlling that than others and that kind of thing. So I've always, always found that this was an interesting way to kind of look at, um, the human experience in a totally science science fictional way. It's like, you know, oh, I have all these all these lifetimes of memories in, in me from from many different individuals. So um and it and it's kind of appropriate that they kind of got, you know, they were doing two things, you know, the the whole pronoun thing that's going on in our society right now, how people want to be referred to and how they feel, um, that kind of thing. And but with her it's kind of it's, it's appropriate because she is a they and a them. There's like literally ten people inside her the whole time. So um it's an interesting way to kind of bring about that um, just in the little Star Trek world that we're watching, but also, you know, kind of to the broader sense, like how people want to be identified with. So that, that's kind of what I took from the, the main, from the, the B story, you know, kind of what they were trying to go with and talk about. Now, the main story, like I said, I think the main story is just more plot driven. I don't know how much they have to say. You know, they're just kind of setting up the second half of the season. You got the Emerald Chain and, you know, you get a little backstory on um, book. I don't, I guess, you know, the you know, stick with your family, family forgives, that kind of thing. That's what they maybe were trying to say there, but that's what I took from it, Steve. Yeah, I mean, maybe if they would have rolled with the Trill thing as the main story or something, and then I, maybe that would have been better if they would actually spend some time. And I, I don't even know how to talk about A, B stories, C, D, E, F, G stories or whatever, because there's so many. But um, with, the, with the stuff on the on with book and all of that, it, it seems so cliched. And, you, you know, they're trying to go for this notion of, setting aside previous, you know, spats or issues between people and coming together to save, you know, but it's just so uh, superfluous and, and, you know, and obvious and, and one of many things going on that that doesn't succeed. I think, yeah, I I do think the trill stuff is more interesting, but, but that's also um, kudos to the whole notion of trills in general and who came up with that and developed it because, you know that that is that is interesting, and then tying it in with what you described is, is interesting. They just didn't spend enough time on it. 
And the Giorgio thing kind of leads into that. Obviously, she's having these flashbacks and, sure. you know, what her previous life are. It's like, so who is she and where did, you know, like mm-hmm. how, you know, kind of in a more singular form. And that's kind of, it's kind of one of these things, you know, back, back in Next Gen, I think those would have been the A story and then the the geopolitical plot-driven action stuff would have been the B mm-hmm. story that just kind of pushed the episode forward. And, um, and I, like I said, I think the, the Giorgio and the, um, the tall stuff um, was more interesting and it was more relatable between the two of them, um, what they were going through. All right, let's do Six Degrees for the Sanctuary. Adam. Yes. Janet Kidder makes her first appearance as Asira. In how many episodes of Discovery's third season will she appear? One, two, or four? Four. Yes, sir. I think, and I also read something interesting. She's Margot Kidder's niece or something. She's related to Margot Kidder. (laughs) All right. That's one of those things where it's the only time I've ever heard that last name, and it's yeah. famous people. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. You guys tied it for today. I enjoyed watching these episodes, and maybe some of it, it like I said, the novel helped, and, and trying to not think of them as Star Trek, which is an insult, I know. But So, all right. We got a bunch of news, right? We got a, we got a date hmm. for Discovery Season 4 which is a couple of weeks after we're going to run out. <laughs> right, that's season three. what I thought of too. It's like, <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. So, so close. Uh, I'd still like to do it live. If we can convince Adam to pay for Paramount plus, I don't know if that's going to oh. be an option, but no, I, I, I think my sister, I have my sister's account. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you, are we going to do the shorts at all? Well, that might be about? how we fill in the, oh, the one. Cause we'll Maybe. have one episode in the middle that we'll need. So depending on how we do it. So, we can cover the shorts in our shorts. You know, we can do like yeah. our video, yeah, you know, like boxers. Let's see. Uh, they did give us kind of a couple sentence synopsis for Discovery Season 4. Unfortunately, it sounds like, yet again, the the known universe is in the ba- hangs in the balance and only Discovery can save everybody. Oh, well. Of course. Um, what else we got? We got, there was something else. New Picard trailer. New Picard trailer. Uh, new one, yeah. cast people in Strange New Worlds is a big, yeah. Yeah, including bringing back a couple of characters from the original series. Yeah. Oh, they confirmed Picard season two, or excuse me, season three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's official. We didn't. We did not get a air date for either Picard season two or Strange New Worlds season one, did we? I believe that's correct. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, a lot of news. Um, once. Season four discovery start uh, late, late November. November. Yeah, yeah. It's like maybe the week before Thanksgiving, something like that. Maybe two weeks before Thanksgiving. It's it's somewhere in there. I think they released like one new image, maybe of of Burnham in the captain's chair, or maybe that was an old one. I just hadn't seen it, but look, looks good. Looks good. All right, we're going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next two episodes of Discovery's third season. Until then, you can send us an email. TrekCompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at TrekCompanion. And our Facebook listener page, which we haven't updated in so long that maybe I should stop even mentioning it, is Facebook.com slash TrekCompanion. So thank you folks so much for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya.
Stefan, I passed it.